0: You're listening to the Seek Go Create podcast, a part of the SGC network, for those looking for excellence, moving towards success, and creating something new. And here's your host, Tim Winders. Hello, everyone. This is Tim Winders, your host of the Seek Go Create podcast. Welcome to this episode. I'm so glad you're here. So excited to share with you, and we are continuing in this season, which is becoming or or stepping into or talking about being an everyday leader so everyday leadership that's the uh that's the general topic here and we've enjoyed communicating and talking about many many areas related to this and today what we're going to be looking at in this episode is leading things that are not people in other words leading things like process systems organizations leading things that we own or that we have possession of or stuff. And I think that's an important part of, of, of what our definition that we've been working off of, the definition of leadership that I've used, that I've established throughout this, this season of episodes. That definition is being a steward over those people, places, and or things that God has gifted you with. And so what we're going to be looking at today is more the things and in organizations, businesses, we have a lot of process, we have systems, we actually have that in our families, we have that in our homes, and of course we have possessions, things we own, things we're responsible for. So, we will be we will be looking at kind of how we become a steward over over those things. Before I before I get into much more detail though, I think I should probably give a little bit of my background and tell a a story or two so that it'll give you a framework for my, my philosophy when we talk about processes and systems. I actually am uh, trained, my background, my degree is in industrial engineering from Georgia Tech. And so that you kind of understand what an industrial engineer does if you don't know, they are really all about systems and structures. And what they would typically do is they would, be, they would be someone, well, the traditional industrial engineer, let me just say it this way, would be someone that would be in a factory or an assembly line. And let's just say that they're putting together widgets and one person do, does one piece of it, another person does another piece and it moves down the line. And the industrial engineer would be the person sitting there with the stopwatch. And if they would time the person that does the first part of it, that would, uh, would do it in say 10 seconds, then what the industrial engineer would do is they would look at all the steps, all the motions, all the equipment, all the structure, and they would attempt to get that process from 10 seconds down to 9.9 or 9.5 or nine seconds. So incremental improvement, process improvement, doing things more efficiently, That would be kind of a foundational um, principle of industrial engineering. Now, it, you know, over the years it's branched out and, and industrial engineers have gone into banking and other parts of organizations, but other parts of the organization. But, but that is, that's really their thinking and their thought process. So when you hear me talk about process and systems, I'm coming at it from a little bit of that angle. And so that's what I wanted you to kind of be aware of. So anyway, that's, that's what we're gonna start off with and we're gonna talk about that. So having said all that about my background, that'll also explain to you, I, I guess I'll let you know that another thing that I have always done, if I do something more than once, I'm attempting to find ways to uh, systematize it or, or to offload it or delegate it or automate it or, or those type things. So that, and listen, I'm not saying that that is always good, but I will say in the world we're in now where so many things are becoming automated and so many systems are being put in place, it's, it's helpful. It's kind of like, uh, it, it's something that can be really, really good or it can be really bad, depending on how far, how far down that rabbit hole you wanna go. And so when we start talking about processes and systems, that's something that you need to understand a little bit about me. Not everyone thinks that way, I get it, but I do look at things and I say, hmm, all right, I've done that a few times. Let me see if I can somehow figure out a way to make a system or process out of it. And when I go in and work in organizations and I see things that are that are causing teams or businesses to to kind of stumble and, 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 and maybe cause issues or conflict, I attempt to find ways to create systems or, or, or create a process from it so that it doesn't create that anymore. So I hope that helps out. There's a few larger topics that I wanna cover within this episode, but the first thing that I wanna discuss, this is like the first big topic, I believe that someone who's being a good steward, being a leader, being an overseer, some of the words we've been using, they need to be someone who has the ability to create order out of chaos, to create order out of chaos. In other words, to take things that are complicated, to take to take things that are that are out of control, out of order, or challenged, and to somehow make them orderly or bring them into a into a systemized, systemized way of doing it. Now I also want to say I know we're dealing with people. We're in a very we're in a world that's got a lot of chaos, a lot going on. I know that order cannot be created out of everything, but I think people that are successful in the leadership roles of organizations, teams, ministries, all those type things, they have the ability to take chaotic situations and make order out of them. Now, I I do wanna say this, I have been around a number of leaders and I'm not a big fan of this, but one of the things that they do, it's their leadership style, is that if things appear to be going along well or somewhat well, they actually inject chaos into that situation. I am not a fan of that. Again, y'all, I've told you I'm wired for order. I'm wired to take the complex and try to simplify it. I am wired to try to take things that are all out of place and put them together in a nice, neat package. And so I'm the type person that if I'm working with a leader that's attempting to create chaos, it makes me very uncomfortable. Some of you may not be that way. Some of you, you might be cool with chaos. You might love the energy of it. That's fine. I just believe that one of the things that you need to look at is if you've got a, I guess if you've got responsibility over people is don't, don't create more chaos than you have to. Don't overcomplicate things more than you have to. Don't make things harder than they have to be. And and, you know, I've studied, I've kind of looked and there's been maybe two or three situations over the course of the last 20, 30 years where. I've dealt with people and I've looked at them and I've wondered, why is it that, you know, after a short period of time, things are going well, all of a sudden they'll just add chaos to the mix. And I believe what it is, this is, you know, just brief analysis, is that they thrive on chaos and they actually believe that people will come to them, kind of feeds their ego a little bit if there's a chaotic situation going on because they'll be needed more than if things are going well. And, you know, I've had conversations with this, Glory and I have talked about this a good bit because we talk about uh, organizations that we're working with either, either formally or informally or that we're just around. And one of the things we always talk about is we go, wow, there is, there's a lot of challenges and a lot of chaos, a lot of issues going on with this organization. And one of the things I say, probably a little bit sarcastically is this, if everything was working perfectly, they wouldn't have the need for some of us to step in and help out and help fix. Glory and I have always kind of consider ourselves fixers and sometimes that's good, sometimes that's not good. Unfortunately, sometimes we go into organizations or teams or something like that and you know, people just don't want to be fixed. And unfortunately, we're wired to try to fix things. And, you know, we, we probably shouldn't do that. We shouldn't do it unsolicited, I guess. But, uh, but the funny thing that I was mentioning about that is that, uh, you know, many times, there wouldn't be the need for a lot of the jobs, a lot of the work, a lot of the leadership, if everything was working perfectly, that's where we step in. And we have to fix things and, and create some order out of the chaos so that's kind of the first big topic that i want to talk about in this in this episode is i think that a good steward someone who's being a good leader someone who is helping with what i talked about earlier continuous improvement needs to be able to look at the organization look at the team look at the process look at the systems and attempt to simplify attempt to repair attempt to make some order out of the chaos. All right, next big topic is strategic thinking. Strategic thinking, and it's, it's so interesting in the, in the world that we're in today, and listen, I also, I also get it that most of the time I, I am not brought in to work with organizations that things are going just awesome uh, you know they're are usually a few issues or challenges and there's issues and challenges going on everywhere but but one of the things that i've observed and i've had conversations with with many people in different leadership roles in fact we're going to be doing some interviews in the near future that we're going to have this as a topic we really see that there's a deficit in strategic and creative thinking in business environments, in leadership environments. And so I, I just wanna I just want to kind of talk about strategic thinking here and problem solving because it is it is lacking in a lot of in a lot of areas that we see. It is so difficult for teams, for organizations. to to function well when there's not a clarity of mission. What is it that we're trying to accomplish? If that question can't be answered by the leader, then I can guarantee you it can't be answered by the team or the organization or process structures, whatever's put in place. Because if it can't be defined, then people system structure. It's just going to do whatever it can to do the best with what it has. And all those piece parts, it is going to be a miracle if they fit together well. That's, that's maybe a way of saying it. I believe as a leader, as a steward, one of our primary, primary responsibilities is to attempt to provide clarity of the mission whatever the mission statement is, whatever you're trying to accomplish as a team, as a family, as an organization, as a, as a ministry, is to clarify, clarify, clarify. And I think the foundation of that clarity comes from the ability to make a decision, from the ability to think strategically. And I, I, guess, it's, I guess I'm seeing something kind of interesting in our modern culture And, and I think what we're facing is we have so much information, it's becoming difficult to make quick decisions. Let me, let me give you an example of that. I read, I read an article not too long ago that was talking about Trader Joe's. I think, I think a lot of people might be listening in, especially if they're uh, based in the United States would be familiar with Trader Joe's if you're near a metro, metro area. It's a cool little store, kind of like a grocery store, and, and it's, they're usually small, they have a small footprint. They're not like the big, huge supermarkets. And you can kind of go in, usually have small little buggies or grocery carts. I'm sorry, I'm from the South, we call them buggies. And you know, you kind of go around up and down the aisles and, and you know, you can check out pretty quick, but it's a good experience and, and it's just kind of different than being in a large grocery store. And the article was talking about that one of the secrets to success, they believe at Trader Joe's, is they do not give people many choices. You know, I I don't, I don't know if this is a good example, but let's just say peanut butter. You don't go to the peanut butter section and have eight different brands, versions, smooth, creamy, peanut, all those type things. You don't have a lot of choices you have one, maybe two, and they limit their choices. So it allows people to have, my words, a more pleasant experience. And I want you to think about this. Go to the aisle in the big grocery stores that we have and just go to the cereal aisle and walk up and down the cereal aisle or the potato chip aisle or the cola aisle, you know, the soft drinks you will most likely have an entire long row with one, two, three, four, five or six um, shelves. And they are solid and filled with so many different choices. It is amazing and it is somewhat overwhelming. And and I've even had this and, you know, maybe some of the guys listen to this can relate or even others is, you know, my wife gives me a a list to go to the grocery store of two or three things. And I stand there looking at all of these choices. And some of them are close. And, you know, this is part of our first world culture. We just have an abundance of choices. And I think this is my theory. I don't have a lot to base this on other than just my observation that it's that the overwhelming amount of information that we have, the choices that we have, has somewhat made it difficult for us to make quick decisions. And, you know, we can even look at our email inbox. I mean, I'm not judging, but how many people of you, how many people listening to this episode have, you know, 100, 200, 500, 6,000 I've seen people that I work with unread emails in your inbox it's just overwhelming you know tough to make quick decisions on what to wear you know many of us have closets that are just massive with all these clothes well i will tell you i don't i live in an rv and i've got just a handful of handful of clothes not many at all and so i can almost reach in without looking pull something out put it on because i just don't have much there you know what to eat all of those things make make quick decisions difficult and it I think it's spilling over into business it's spilling over into the ability to make bigger decisions it makes us think that we have to overanalyze overthink get multiple people involved so that we don't make the wrong decision it's just making it challenging for us so kind of a tip here on strategic thinking getting clarity is either on your own or with your team or with a coach or any anybody you could pull in to help make every effort to narrow your decisions down as best you can so that you can get it down quickly whittle it down to maybe one or two and make a quick decision and move on and and I also think this is kind of what I coach people that I work with if they're having difficulty with making decisions and and you know sharing you know clarity with their team and organization i think they just need to practice making quick decisions in other words with what you wear with getting rid of emails with clearing out um you know clearing out junk drawers or things like that practice making quick decisions because it can kind of pick up steam and build momentum and and put you in a position to where even when you get 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 presented with bigger decisions to make, it just makes it easier to do so. The ability to make a decision is what's impacting strategic thinking in many of the organizations that I'm seeing. Another thing that you want to be able to do is quickly assess risk versus reward. And I'll tell you how I do this, and I'm not saying it's the best way to do it or the only way to do it, but if I'm looking at making a decision I will always try to go to, what's the worst thing that can happen? What is the worst thing that can happen if we make this decision and, you know, usually it's not death, it's not destruction or anything like that. And if it's not horrible, then I will many times say, let's move forward. Let's take a step forward. And one of the things that I'm real big on is just trials. I'll do that when I'm working with a lot of clients. I say, "You know what? Let's give this a try for 30, 60, 90 days. And if it works well, we'll adjust it and move forward. If it's not, we'll just stop it and, you know, learn from it and move on." And what that does is it allows us to not make it not make it appear as if it's just this life-altering decision that if we make it, you know, everything is going to change. No, let's just give it a try. Let's give it a try for 90 days. Let's implement uh, implement it as, as lean as we can and just see what happens. And I think that's, I, I like that strategy. I like that strategy in working with organizations. And I think it also works well with families and, and individuals, even in relationships. So anyway, ask yourself, what's the worst thing that can happen? And then also maybe, maybe... Do a trial. Just test it to see how it works. The the other piece of this that to me is becoming a real challenge for many of us in the world we're in today is that we don't have time or we're not allowing ourselves time to really sit down and think, to not have any distractions, to not be busy have devices and computers and screens and sounds in the background and TVs going and all those type things. <clears throat> we don't take the opportunity to sit down sometimes with an old school pen and paper, yellow legal pad, journal, and just think and write down our ideas. And listen, I I love digital. I mean, I'm I'm a nomad. I live in an RV. I don't really have. I don't really have a lot of space to keep a lot of journals and files and papers and things like that. So I love pulling out my iPad or my, or my laptop or my bigger computer and, you know, writing down notes so that I can get to it later. But I also know that when I have a screen open, like I do right now as I'm recording this, I've got, I've got a Trello board with all my points. And I'm going to give you a great example that's current. I've got a Trello board with all my points on it. I've got the recording going, so I'm able to see if things are being recorded. I've also got this on video, so over to my right I can actually see my face and things like that. But also in the very, very background is my email inbox that I probably should have closed. And there was someone I've been communicating with and I just saw them respond to an email and it's on on a project I'm working on. I'm actually finishing up a novel and starting to communicate with editors and things like that. And, and one of the editors just responded and I'm sitting here doing a podcast, I'm trying to share with, with you. And all of a sudden I get a distraction that comes in It's because I allowed it. And, and first of all, I apologize for that, but that is a great example of the times we're living in. And I'll tell you, it's a battle that we all have to fight. And that is to position ourselves so that we can have quiet time to think for those that spend time in prayer that's part of it for those that like to journal that's part of it for those people that you know like to study specific things the ability to focus is one of the biggest challenges that we're facing in our society today because it spills over into all of these things and especially attempting to be be a steward over these things that we've been gifted with That also makes it difficult for us to be a problem solver. It's hard to solve problems if we don't have the ability to sit down and think about them. So anyway, take some time to think. I mean, I guess that's one of the challenges from this episode is change your habits, alter what you're doing. I've tried to do that many times. I mean, my wife and I live in close quarters in an RV and it sometimes makes it difficult to have alone time, but uh, we both attempt to make efforts to have quiet time so that we can take time to think. So, anyway, those are a few things under strategic thinking. I I will say this, that part of strategic thinking is looking into the future. And I'm hesitant to this because some people get so anxious about the future, it's very difficult for them to do planning. Some people get so they beat themselves up about the past. It's difficult to do planning. But here's kind of the statement that I think helps with that. We must we must consider the future and what might happen so that we can be a strategic thinker and planner. It's where you sit down and look at the calendar. And I'll just give you a simple example. If you're a family and you've got children, and at the time I'm recording this, it's late fall. You know, one thing that we know as a family that's coming up Is the holidays so there's gonna be a Thanksgiving there's gonna be a Christmas and then there's gonna be a new year and you know what there are all types of things that come into play there could be gifts there should there could be travel there could be you know special events with schools and all of those things and you know what part of being a strategic thinker and a planner is to now look at the calendar and decide what do we need to do to prepare for those type things and that's really that's really strategic planning at its essence. At, it, at its essence, what do we need to be planning for that's in the future today? And then, and then we use our experience from the past to analyze and make decisions. I'll give you a great example. We went out. Uh, we went out to dinner last night. Uh, me, my wife, Glory, and our son, Joshua, and uh, and we were. It was a great dinner, and we enjoyed ourselves. And we were we were sitting there, and we were talking about. We said, Hmm wonder if this place is open for Thanksgiving because if we're around here, we might wanna come here because one of the things we've learned, this is a family type thing, is you know what? We just don't enjoy the massive amounts of cooking and the massive amounts of food that we have had around Thanksgiving in past years. And my wife loves to cook, she loves to entertain, she loves all of that stuff. But what we found is, is that she would spend days and days and days preparing, and then we would sit down to eat, we would be overwhelmed, and then we would all be stuffed and kind of feel a little bit miserable. If you, if you like all these things, I'm not judging, and I'm just giving you our experience. And so we have analyzed those experiences, and we've said, you know what? We're not gonna do that in the future or the near future. We're going to do something different. We're gonna start a new tradition. And so that's part of just a simple example of strategic thinking and us doing something differently within our household. All right, let's move ahead. That's kind of the foundation for this next section, which is planning and project management, which is important with processes and systems. In, in fact, there needs to be methods in place to do these things in any organization. I've shared in previous podcasts that what my wife and I do within our household is we, we typically have regular meetings and our currently our meetings are on Monday evenings, where we she and I will meet. We don't have any distractions. We don't have a TV going. We don't we don't ever watch TV anyway. But we sit down and we have topics. We go over our finances. We go over you know things we have to spend in the future. You know what we're doing for our investments and our storehouse accounts and and different things like that. We talk about our calendar and look into the future and do some strategic planning and what is our travels, where is it taking us, what's going on with our businesses, our jobs, our work. You know, and then, you know, I've shared this in the past too. We'll talk about any challenges we might be facing and, you know, try to help each other. Hey, listen, I I'm sorry if I've been doing this lately. I'm apologize if I've been in this mood and different things like that. That's just within our household. You know what? Companies and organizations need mechanisms in place like that. You know, we can call them staff meetings, we can call them stand-ups, whatever you call them. There needs to be structure and systems in place to address and deal with those type things. So, So here's what we're gonna do under planning and project management. I initially was going to just cover project management here and we were going to leave it at that. But I'm just going to give you a little glimpse of something exciting coming up. Uh, my wife, Glory, has been actually working with Agile and Lean um, Process and Project Management recently. In fact, she's recently been certified as a Scrum Master, which you may not know what those terms are, but we'll cover it later. And so what I've done is I've added a bonus episode to this season that has not been recorded yet. It'll be recorded in the next few days or the next week or so. And so it will be an entire episode really devoted more to, to this type process. I'm just going to say a few things here, just basic things, but, but I guess the thing that I really want to emphasize is the importance for planning and project management within teams, organizations, being a steward is you just got to do it. Okay. Do not, do not. Put this off on other people. Even if it's not your expertise, even if you're not necessarily a detail person, you need to have some understanding of it so that you can lead and guide people in this area. One of the the primary things to do is to gather data. And, And the reason this is important, you need to just gather data about what is going on around you or in the organization. The reason this is important is because it's so easy to just use our emotions or to to just look at one or two instances and say, well, this always happens or this never happens. There's another thing that's very dangerous here. We can start getting into confirmation bias, which is, I'll, I'll give you an example of what confirmation bias is. For those of you that do scrolling on Facebook or on social media, And if you lean a particular way politically and you start clicking on things, then you notice you start seeing more and more things that reinforce your beliefs. And that's what Facebook and other algorithms are using to give you confirmation bias. So you begin thinking that everyone thinks your way and that if someone doesn't think that way, you know, they're wrong, they're ignorant, other words. Well, that's one of the reasons why we want to gather data about what's going on around us and and so you know you want to ask questions you want to interview people you want to you want to just get a pulse on things and if there's numbers if there's data to back up things so that we could plan and do project management make strategic decisions then we want to gather that data another thing to do is get some wise counsel get somebody to help you out you know we actually work with a number of ministries through our foundation and one of the things that i really like that most 501c3s and ministries have is they typically have a board and i know larger for-profit companies especially public companies they have boards but typically small businesses and mom and pops and things like that they don't usually have an advisory board or board of directors or those type things, and I think there's a there's a lot of value in having a board of three, five, seven people that you don't just meet with annually, but every quarter or every three to four months, you meet with and just run some things by them. You know, run your finances by them. You know, some issues that are going on, personnel, and things like that. It's good to just have wise counsel. It's another reason why as organizations and businesses grow, it's good to have diversity. And diversity is a word that's being thrown around a lot today. And obviously, we, we hear it as it relates to, um, you know, male, female diversity and and race and different things like that. And all of that is good. I'm, I'm all for that. But I think I think it even goes deeper than that. You need different personalities. You need people that come from different backgrounds. And there's one board that I serve on for a ministry, and we had the first board meeting not too long ago, and, and I'll be real upfront, it was all um, white males that were from the United States, and this is a ministry that we're expecting to be international. And one of the comments that I made when we were looking at the Zoom call that we were on the video call, I said, you know what, first of all, there were only three of us, is the board needs to expand. And we know that this was just the initial meeting. I said, you know what? We need to get some people on this board that don't look like us and are from other countries and have accents and things like that. And, uh, and we all agreed. So we're, we're actively attempting to, to add that. So get wise counsel. That's one of the biggest things you could do is you get data, helps with the project management, helps with the planning, helps with making decisions. And of course I'll get this plug in here. It's always good to have a good coach. And I think all of you know that that's kind of what I do. And I support people being able to get a good mentor or coach to help with these type things. Try not to, now I've just just mentioned gather data, but try not to get bogged down with details. (laughs) So that sounds a little contradictory, but don't get bogged down with all those details because it could lead to that paralysis of analysis. You could have too many choices, too many things. What you're looking for is you gather data, is enough data to make a decision and move on. And you also wanna keep a pulse of the organization so that if you see, I'll, I'll just use it this, I'll say it this way, if you see some smoke, some things that don't look quite right, some clues to a challenge, usually where there's smoke, there's also fire. And, you know, one of the things I do is I I'm not an accountant, I'm not trained financially, but I've dealt with businesses for so long. If I look at a financial report, I can look through and I can things will start jumping out at me like expenses that might be way out of balance or debt or, revenues flattened or, or different things that just need some additional questions asked. So you know, don't get bogged down with details, but also have the ability to look and, and find clues or smoke so that you might be able to identify if there's something that may be a fire. Kind of said this earlier, but learn from yesterday, focus on today, plan for tomorrow. Learn from yesterday, focus on today and plan for tomorrow that's uh that's a big thing i have to remind myself i i think i've shared this before i at times can become anxious in planning for the future i'm getting much better at that especially as i mature and because of a lot of things we've been through i could have a tendency to to you know have some guilt or shame or anything about some things that have happened in the past it is it is very valuable for us to be able to focus on what we're doing today do the best we can and then move on the last big topic that i want to address here and again we're we're kind of looking at things that are not people leadership as it relates to you know planning and process and systems organizations i want to talk about possessions stuff things and we're in such we're in such an environment where we we live we all If you're listening to this, you're probably listening to it on a device or maybe your computer or your laptop or, you know, your phone or something like that. And it's probably not the only one you have. You probably have a bunch of them and you probably have a lot of other stuff. Well, those are the things that we own. And I think that we have, we have a responsibility to be stewards over those things and and I, you know, I guess, I guess one of the things that I spent a, a pretty good portion of my life doing was just, I was doing what most other people did. I was just accumulating stuff, owning things. And probably for the last, probably 100 years in society, that's kind of been the mode we're in. We've gotten great at manufacturing. We've gotten great at marketing we've gotten great at you know distribution to be able to get things to people so that as individuals we can accumulate stuff and of course when we accumulate stuff we start getting more and more stuff and if we've got a three bedroom house we get a four bedroom and five bedroom house and if we have a five bedroom house we're going to fill that house up and if we've got a basement we're going to fill up the basement and then when we get that stuff we're going to fill up our garage our two and three car garage and then after that we're gonna have to get a storage unit because we're gonna just keep filling up stuff. And I've, I've talked in the past just about minimalism and essentialism. That's really not what I'm talking about here. I'm really just talking about what we can do to be a good steward over those things. And I guess the principle that I wanna share here is, act as if everything you have, own or control, act as if it's a gift and you're gonna to have to return it. And this is an example that hit home to me is my wife and I, Gloria and I, when we kind of became homeless and were nomads and traveling around, we, the first thing we did after, after just kind of traveling around and living out of a Honda van, we, we started house sitting. And, and it was so odd to me. I never knew that even existed. Some of you might be going, I never knew that existed either. Because we're in, we're in such a world where you know, living in a home that you own is so critical and so important. And, and listen, I love that. I'm not against that. I'm not saying anything about that. It's just we've had a different experience over the last few years that has exposed us to some different things. So we actually would house sit and people would give us the keys to their house. Most of the time there was a pet involved and they would say, we're going away for a month, please take care of things. And, and as I would go through this process, some of these homes were extremely nice and we did this in Australia, New Zealand, all over the US and some great places and saw some great things, able to sort of live in places. One thing that I realized that we needed to do was be a good steward over this res- responsibility we had been given. And I want to go back to the statement I just said. You know, we didn't own these houses. They were not ours. We didn't own any of the stuff in them. We didn't own the pets. And sometimes people gave us the keys to their cars if we were overseas. And we didn't own any of that. We were stewards. And one of the things that we kind of adopted as our mantra was we wanted to return things better than when we had received them return it better than we had received them and so you know one of the things i would do is i remember a couple of places that you know when the toilet lid not a big repair but toilet lids just a little bit loose and you kind of reach down underneath and tighten it up and all that i would i would kind of go around and do that i would try to clean up and organize things if i could one thing that was interesting there were a few dogs that we watched i love pets we didn't have one so it was almost like we were stepping in being grandparents I would there was one there was one lady that we watched her pet and she had a big dog and her husband uh, traveled a good bit this was in Australia and so this big dog kind of ruled the house and I just took it on myself for the month or so we were there to attempt to train this dog to not rip your shoulder off when you went walking and to allow it to do better while it's on a leash and I was able to do that and that was. That was kind of cool and enjoyable. But again, the philosophy is return it better than you received it. Now, that, that, that obviously relates to possessions and things like that, but let me kind of jump to leadership and business. I also think that as a steward, if you have been given a gift of being a manager or a leader over a team of two, three, five, ten, 10, 100, 1,000 people, you need to look at that as a gift. You need to nurture it, take care of it, have gratitude. And then when you return it, which you will, you're not gonna do that forever, when you're done with it, make it better than when you received it. Make it better than when you took over in that role. Make it better than when you stepped in. And when, it, when I say better, that's the sum of all the parts, But also those are the individuals, the process, the systems, the structures, all of those things. Attempt to to tighten up that bolt on the toilet lid so that it doesn't jiggle when when you know you open it and close it down. Attempt to look at some of the details and just return it better than when you received it. You know, another another one last thing before we finish up this episode. When we were doing our real estate companies back in the early 2000s, one of the things that we did was we realized that if you have personal ownership of one, two, three, four, eight, 10, 100 pieces of real estate, then there's a good likelihood that your name was gonna be on public record and you know it opened up the door for you know, people to come after you for legal reasons and different things like that. And so we were introduced to the concept of a trust. And when I say trust, I'm talking about the legal contract where, where you take an asset and you move it into a trust so that you don't show up as the owner. And you could do it with houses and cars and different things like that. And of course, we know that the wealthy in, in our country have used trust for the longest period of time to put their money and things like that. Well, I studied these things extensively. I know probably more about trust than I would really care to know. And, and I, the, the thing that's interesting about a trust is that you move an asset into it and you have to trust the trustee that you move it into and the trustee becomes responsible for the asset, but they do not own it. And very similar to the house sitting, to me, all the work that I've done with a trust has really helped me comprehend the concept of stewardship and the fact that we really probably don't own the things we even think we own. Most of you've heard the term, you can't take it with you. And even if you've gathered a bunch of things and you have a house full of stuff and, and they're all valuable and great and they give you joy and things like that, you know, most people have never seen a casket where someone's being buried and all of that stuff piled in there. They're not going to take him with them. It's just something that gives you joy. It's a tool. It's something to use while you're here on this earth. And I believe it's a valuable, valuable mindset to have, especially when it comes down to a leadership thought process, to consider yourself as a steward over people places and things that you have been gifted with and then that last statement there assume that you've been gifted with some of you might say yeah but i bought it with my own money yeah you bought it with your own money but probably that money's a gift to you also yes you've done work you've worked hard and things like that but all of these things i think that i think that the 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 thought process that we need to have is everything from a gratitude standpoint we've been gifted the job that got me the money i'm thankful for that the money that i use to acquire things i'm thankful for that the things that i have i'm thankful for that but you know what they're just something i'm a steward over and i want to do the best with them while i can and then when i'm done i want them to be better and then we'll move on so Anyway, those are a number of things that I wanted to address here under the leading of process systems, organizations, and stuff, and uh, I hope that's been helpful for you, and again, we're continuing on this theme of working towards becoming and being an everyday leader. So, thank you all for listening. I, I cannot say enough how much I appreciate you taking the time to listen and and go rate these on the, on the, on the platforms that you can give ratings, give feedback, you know, you can send us an email or go to our website or give feedback. We will read everything you send. I promise. I've, I've already been having some people as these first few episodes are, are being made available that are reaching out to me on social media and other areas. I welcome, we welcome all of that. And we look forward to hearing from you and, and look forward to sharing with you in the future. Thank you again, and we will talk to you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Seek Go Create podcast, a part of the SGC network. For those looking for excellence, moving towards success, and creating something new, we are constantly discussing bold new topics and ideas here on the network, so be sure to subscribe to be notified when we post new episodes. We look forward to sharing more with you next time, but until then, enjoy the journey.